Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Carlos Story here of FightfulBoxing.com and Fightful.com. This is the Fightful Boxing Podcast. The new newsletter is out on Fightful.com. Go on there to read the latest on Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2. Not happening next. Previewing Sean Porter versus Jordanis Ugas, as well as the Matchroom Boxing Card in New York this Saturday. Other topics including James DeGale retiring, the latest results from the Showtime card from this past weekend, Donnie Nietes vacating his WBO Superflyweight title, and more. Triple G news of that taking place yesterday and kind of being put added into the newsletter sort of at the last minute. But head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. This is the Fightful Boxing Podcast. My name is Carlos Toro, Fightful's lead boxing reporter. And here we go. Lots to discuss on this weekend. We got lots of boxing cards, to be quite honest with you. But before we get to the fights that are happening this weekend, it's important to discuss the one big fight that is not happening. Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2. The rematch, everyone, including their own mother who doesn't know about boxing, thought that was was going to happen is in fact not happening at all. For those of you who are out of the loop or need a little bit of refresher of what's going on, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury were do, were organizing or were negotiating, so to speak, a rematch. A lot of people thought it was going to take place in Brooklyn, May 18, or if not Brooklyn, Las Vegas. But a lot of detail, they were close. Everyone reporting on this, saying that the fight was nearing completion, it was done. The WBC had to postpone a purse bid twice, which usually is an indication that the fight is being close to being done. Unfortunately, Tyson Fury threw all of uh, through every single one of us a a curveball and announced that he is signing with Tyson Fury uh, with ESPN and Top Rank Boxing to sort of make the transition into the United States and sort of raise his profile there in order to make the Deontay Wilder rematch much bigger than the first fight was, which was fairly big. Compared to what expectations, early expectations of what the fight was going to do, pay-per-view-wise and mainstream attention-wise, ended up being a, a little bit bigger than, a, a little more successful and newsworthy than I think a lot of people expected. There were, I believe, projections were somewhere between 300, uh, around 300,000 pay-per-view buys. This did, uh, did a little more than that. Everyone wanted the rematch. The WBC ordered the rematch. And unfortunately, it did not happen. Reason why? 
Tyson Fury wanted to, again, raise his profile in the U.S. to make the rematch much stronger. And I think with that, that's kind of playing the the whole thing that uh, myself and Joe Holper discussed on the last podcast a couple of weeks back, that boxing has this tendency to sort of over overthink itself. It's not... It's. I can understand why Tyson Fury would want to make this from a business standpoint. It's a calculated risk. But at the same time, there's no guarantee that the, the momentum of that first fight is not going to go through all the way through the summer and into the fall of this year. If you ask me, from a boxing perspective, they should have done this fight in May, they should have just gone on ahead and made the fight. I don't care if it's on pay-per-view. I don't care if it's on ESPN Plus, Showtime, Fox, whatever it is. I think the fight should have been made. I understand from a dollar's sense why Titan Fury want to go for it. But I, I am personally, I'm on Deontay Wilder's side. I think this fight should have been made for May. I mean, like this is such this could have been a really good year in heavyweight boxing, but it's kind of off to a meager start. I mean, the, the Joshua versus Miller fight taking place on Madison Square Garden on June 1. It's gone up to a solid start with the ticket sales and everything, but the press conferences and especially that that first one that they had at Madison Square Garden when the fight was announced was it got off to a very rocky start, so to speak. So I don't think that this fight, uh, I don't think that Joshua Miller, what everyone had in mind, but really, it's not a bad fight. It's just not the fight that we wanted. And just like with Wild and Fury 2, they're both going to take separate fights before they take the rematch, if it does happen now. Now, with the way the politics and the networks and the promoters are sort of handling this sport, if history has taught us anything, it's no longer a guarantee if Wilder and Fury have their rematch. I mean, Wilder wants the fight, but Fury and Top Rank and ESPN want to build up to it when there's really no need to build up to it. I mean, you got Wilder and Fury, two incredibly charismatic personality, very, very magnetic. They, they know how to pull people in. But I don't know why they couldn't just try to do their best to make it like a... a co-branded pay-per-view with Showtime and ESPN on one side handling it. They've done that in the past with Mayweather and Pacquiao. They've done that with Anthony Joshua in and Vladimir Klitschko, even though that wasn't necessarily a pay-per-view. It was actually, it was just Showtime TV and HBO television, but it has been done before. And I know those cases are not the norm. They're more the exception that proves the norm, but it's very frustrating to just kind of see this happening. It's it's not something that I personally wanted to happen. I wanted the rematch. I, I'm sure everyone watching this, everyone in boxing, wanted this rematch to to fight. Uh, Andrew Huntley in the chat saying marinating a fight doesn't always work. Bob Amherst should know that, given that this approach didn't work for the proposed Gamboa and Juan Ma Lopez match. Yeah, I agree. Especially with that specific example. For those of you who are, I guess, sort of new to the sport within the last couple of years or so, don't, who don't know what what I'm talking about with uh, Uriarquez Gamboa and Juan Manuel Lopez, this was a fight. That was a fight 
that has been brewing for years and years and years, and it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed and getting postponed and del- for for no for almost no reason whatsoever. And that was almost like it was. I wouldn't necessarily call that a super fight. But it was a fight that a lot of people were very interested in that just never happened. Hell, last year they they there was a pay-per-view. Yes, that yes, a pay-per-view in Miami, I believe it was Miami, where they had Gamboa and Lopez in separate fights with the hope of building up to a fight. Which by the way, it's like five years too late at this point. And guess what? It's not happening. That fight is still not happening. So the fight, this this really is not a uh, marinating a fight. Again, it's a calculated risk. But instead of taking the safer option, which is sacrificing a few dollars and some pay-per-view buys just to make the fight happen, the fight that people want to make happen, instead, you're now risking the potential of the fight not happening at all because it's not so much now a battle between the networks and the fighters themselves and trying to make this deal possible, but now you're also dealing with the risk of either Wilder or Fury losing before you get to the rematch. And if either of them lose, then the rematch is essentially done. It's not happening. Wilder, he's probably going to face Dominic Brazil. The WBC made that order a couple of days ago. The plan is May 18th, likely, and Brooklyn. It's not official, but it's very, very possible that that's going to be the fight for Wilder next. As for Fury, I don't know. No one really knows. A lot of people, some a name, names were being thrown out there. Someone, uh, they, someone said a rumor spreading around Kubra Pulev, but. Pulev's got it is busy with his fight uh, against Bogdan Dinu, uh, I believe later this month on ESPN. Which, by the way, I, I don't see, I, I don't know how Kubra Pulev and Bogdan Dinu make sense for an ESPN televised main event. That that serves much better as an ESPN Plus card, not as an ESPN television. I think that's kind of a wasted card, in my opinion. But that's just me. So no Pulev for Fury next, which the plan is have Fury fight in June. Uh, I believe that that is the plan. Fight, uh, have Fury fight in June. So no Pulev. Uh, Joseph Parker is a name that was also being thrown around, but IFL TV interviewed Tyson Fury not too long ago, and Fury said no. I, I tr- Joseph Parker kind of like a brother to me. And do you fight your own brothers? No. Even though. Well, that's Fury's words, even though I'm sure there are a lot of people who fight with their brothers, even even over the pettiest things, as I personally have experience with my own little brother. I love him, but we do squabble a lot, a lot on a lot of uh, trivial things. So I don't so I guess it doesn't seem like it's going to be Joseph Parker. So who else is left? Andy Ruiz is no longer with top rank. He's with PBC. In fact, his fight, his next fight, was just announced a couple of hours ago against uh, Alexander Dimitrenko on the Danny Garcia versus Adrian Granados Fox card. So there's nothing there. Brian Jennings, possibly, maybe that's a name, but Jennings lost his last fight to Ascariba. So uh, there's, there's no no real good interest in that fight happening. The one name that it does make the most sense, and it is the riskiest name out there 
for Tyson Fury would be Delian White. Delian White is a free agent. He is very, very close to completing a deal with top rank in ESPN. Now, that fight makes a lot of sense in terms of trying to get Fury the best fight possible out there, because that's re- it really is the best fight for Tyson uh, for Tyson Fury out there right now. Dillian White is really the best heavyweight available that hasn't just fought, that hasn't fought this year so far, so it makes a lot of sense, but my issue is that, again, it's a calculated risk, and I, and I say that a lot because that's what this whole Tyson Fury top rank ESPN deal is. It's a major calculated risk. And the problem here is Dillian White is no slouch. He's a very, very good heavyweight coming in with a ton of momentum. He does possess a lot of power, somewhat similar to Tyson, uh, to Deontay Wilder. And we all seen Deontay Wilder knock Tyson Fury down twice when they both had their first fight back in December on pay-per-view in Los Angeles. But I don't think Dillian White is as strong as Deontay Wilder, and White doesn't have doesn't have the chin, or or at least the the stamina to go the full twelve rounds without adding without getting dropped or without getting outboxed for long stretches of time. I think that fight is good. I think that'll be the kind of fight that'll force Fury to sort of do a similar approach to the Wilder fight where you kind of have the power puncher go up against the boxer. And it ended up actually being a strangely good and dramatic fight that went down down the wire. And as we've seen with Dillian White and his fast and his fights in the past, when you pit him with the right type of heavyweight, not necessarily someone who is willing to trade back, but you're also a guy that knows how to jab, which Tyson Fury knows how to do, a guy that knows how to move well. Like Tyson Fury does, Dillian White can produce incredible matches. The the two fights against Derek Chisora, both excellent fights. The fight against Joseph Parker, while not as good as the Derek Chisora fight, was a very dramatic fight that went down to the la- to the wire. And that's the kind of fight that served to help build up big names in the United States. It's not so much who has the title or or really or who has the best knockout percentage because. I mean, hell, we've seen great knockout artists, I don't want to say flop on pay-per-view, but not do as well as some would initially think. So, Fury versus White is a fight that makes a lot of sense. The winner of that fight would obviously be the the top guy in the WBC rankings to fight Deontay Wilder after he fights Dominic Brazil. So, I hope that fight, if that fight gets made, I wouldn't be too mad about it as a... As a Wilder versus Fury 2 substitute. I, I think I'd be okay with that. But I think it would have been so much better for boxing in general. If they have just done the the, the rematch in May or in June. Just get it over with. I, I think the, the whole marinating fights from a business standpoint. Makes sense on paper. But in boxing there are way too many factors at play for anyone to think that far ahead into the future. It's not like pro wrestling where you have someone that books a big a big matchup like six months down the road, a year down the line, and there's not too many factors that can, except for injury, not too many factors that can derail those plans. Boxing is a completely different animal. And again, that kind of long-term planning has a very, very big potential to backfire, and we may never get Wilder versus Fury 2, which would be a huge shame and a huge discredit to the sport of boxing.
I'm gonna have to take a water, a little water break right there. Boy, I, I sure went on about that little topic, but uh, but yeah, the water versus Fury too. I really hope it does get happen. I really hope it does happen. Now, moving on to the other, I guess, big story. It's not necessarily a big story. I guess in a, the next chapter of a story that a lot of us expected to have been concluded to have already finished three months ago, but it's still going on. Gennady Golovkin to the zone. At this point, a lot of people, all the reports seem to indicate that it's going to be a, it's not a question. If, but when Golovkin joins the zone, the, the latest updates on that is a couple of, very, actually very interesting. One report saying that uh, Golovkin could be giving equity in, in the zone, which is very strange. And, and unlike any other broadcast deal in terms of Boxer to a broadcast platform, that that I can remember, I mean, look, a lot of people have been referencing the Canelo deal, three hundred plus million dollars for five years, or or ten, eleven, five, however you want to call it. But but that the but unlike the Canelo fight, Golov, uh, the Canelo deal, Golovkin has something that no other fighter has. And again, that's the equity. And of course, of course, that's not necessarily saying that that report is true. Or that that's going to be the final thing, but from the looks of it, it looks like Golovkin is next deal with the zone could potentially be his last. It may be a deal that has Golovkin thinking one foot out the door as a boxer and one foot in as a promoter. He has his own company, Triple G Promotions, and if you in eagle-eyed viewers and listeners are paying uh, pay attention to that name, Triple G Promotions. If you recall, that is the company that, alongside Golden Boy Promotions, reserved the T-Mobile Arena for May 4 for a The Zone card featuring Canel Alvarez. Initially, that everyone thought that was going to be Canel Alvarez Triple G3 until the Nevada State Athletic Commission amended that and sort of revised the, the wording of that reservation on its website, saying that is now a Golden Boy Promotions card and Triple G Promotions uh, is no longer mentioned in the reservation. Tri- what is Triple G Promotion? It is the company that Triple G wants to make and you know and lead as a promoter. He doesn't have any fighters signed to 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 the company. So don't don't. So if you don't know about Triple G Promotions, I don't blame you because they've done no shows. They have no fighters, but it's looking like Triple G wants to sort of transition into that give fighters from his from from his home country of Kazakhstan an opportunity to be on the zone and sort of move into the states and be and have their chance to be a global star just like Triple G is now there was a report on ESPN saying that the negotiations are kind of like progressing at a snail like pace uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the but the uh, but the snail metaphor was in the ESPN report. I don't know. It, it it certainly does feel that it has been going at a snail like pace. I, I for months I thought, okay, maybe we'll get this fight. Maybe we're going to do. Maybe we're going to get you know a surprise announcement that like one of the press conferences. Or, or something, or some the zone press release, or something on Twitter indicating that Golovkin's going to join the zone. But it's just been months of stall, not stalling, but very, very slow negotiations. 
you know, not a lot being updated, but who knows? Maybe this fight does actually end up happening. I mean, this deal ends up happening. Now, one thing that that is sort of a constant here is the fact that a lot of people that this deal with Golovkin and the zone, if it does get made, if and when does get made, it's going to be, it's going to build up to Canelo versus Triple G3, assuming that Canelo beats Daniel Jacobs. That's not necessarily a foregone conclusion because Daniel Jacobs is an excellent middleweight who has shown that he can not only hang in there with the best in the division, but also make a compelling case that he can beat the best in the division. Example, uh, Triple G versus Jacobs in 2017. A lot of people thought Jacobs won that fight. I personally thought uh, Triple G won that fight on virtue of the knockdown Triple G had on Jacobs midway for the fight. In terms of round scoring, I had a 6-6 even, but the knockdown pushed it to Triple G, and I scored a 114-113 at the time. So... Obviously, the zone is banking on Canelo versus Triple G three. A lot of people are expecting that fight to to take place next September, third straight year on Mexican Independence Day weekend. But obviously, the it is at the point where we're we're at the point of diminishing return. So not so the interest of the trilogy fight is not is not as big as the first fight. And not as big as the second fight, which wasn't, which the interest wasn't, was more or less on the same level, if not a little lower than the first fight. So every time these two fight, the interest has been somewhat, somewhat smaller. And the zone is really wants to make that fight happen. They want to get the zone subscriptions in the US up, like by a significant margin. And they think Ganel versus Triple G. Three is the way to go. I can't fault them for thinking like that, but at this point, a lot of boxing fans are, are thinking, listen, Triple G is like almost 40 years old. I believe he's 37. And if he can't win a decision against Canelo Alvarez, which, which listen, in Las Vegas especially, I don't think you're going to get that. You're going you're gonna to get a decision against Canelo. Then you're going to have to knock him out. And the problem is, if Canelo, if Golovkin, in his two previous attempts, couldn't get the job done in knocking out Canelo Alvarez, then there really isn't much to think that Golovkin is going to knock out Canelo Alvarez now. Just when Canelo is just, it keeps improving and improving while Golovkin gets getting older and older. Father time's undefeated. And I don't think Golovkin... I, I think Golovkin would be up for it maybe for the, for the potential career-high payday or at least right up there in terms of career-high paydays, but it's not going to be the it's not going to be this this mega event that it was that it was in 2017 and in a way last year as well but i think if you do golovkin versus canelo 3 i think it'll do decent numbers in terms of the film subscriptions but we'll see what happens I don't know what if Golovkin is going to really do, really going to sign with the zone with the expectation that we get Canelo versus Triple G3. Again, it depends on whether or not Canelo beats Jacobs, and that's not necessarily a guarantee. So moving on to fighters and their futures, Donnie Nietes has vacated the WBO Super Flyweight title, kind of taking everyone by surprise, or a lot of people by surprise, when the announcement was made. 
The uh, Nietes said he doesn't want, he's thinking he, at the end of his career, he's 37 years old. He wants like a career defining fight. And if we were to go really quickly to the Fightful Boxing newsletter, which you can see on Fightful.com, it says on the uh, on the Fightful newsletter, I posted the... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Two letters sent to the WBO about Donnie Nietes vacating the WBO title. Here is the first one written by Nietes himself. And it says, Dear Mr. Valcarcel, I would like to thank you and the WBO for giving me another chance to fight for the World Super Flyweight title against Katsuto Ioka, against the painful draw, against Aston Palite. It took me a long time to think about this very difficult decision, but I feel that every fight for me at this stage of my career is crucial for my future. I have long been dreaming to have a career-defining fight. There is not much time for me in this sport at 37 years old. I would like to humbly inform you and the WBO that I have painfully decided to vacate my title, which has meant the world to me. I have held the WBO title for 10 years in three divisions, which has been a part of my life. I have been awarded the longest world champion in the history of the Philippines because of the WBO. I owe my successful career to the WBO. The WBO belt and the ring will be in my heart forever, and hopefully in the future I can be given a chance to become a WBO world champion again before I retire. Thank you very much, Mr. Valcarcel, and to everyone at the WBO for all what you have done for my career. And without the opportunities you have given me, I would not be where I am today. With much respect, Donnie Ahas Nietes, three-division world champion. So obviously, the, every, the, the expectations is that Donnie Nietes is going to be the... Dani Nietes wants the fight against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. And I would not be surprised if that's the fight that that Nietes is referring to. That is really the big fight. It's close to a super fight, but both men are past their prime. So I wouldn't so it's not as exciting as it once was, but these two in terms of their resume are the best super are the best in the lower weight classes in the last 10-15 years, in my opinion. Now, 
Gonzalez, I don't know if he would take a Dani Nieto's fight right out the get-go. He is under, he just went knee surgery that kind of eh, pushed his, his fight on HBO late last year. You know, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen. He was supposed to fight on HBO last year, last December, but it didn't happen because of the knee surgery. So they had to sort of, uh, scramble to get another fight uh, to be in the main event, which ended up being Cecilia Brakis, uh, defending her undisputed women's welterweight titles in the main event. But that's a really tough fight for Nietes, for guns for either guy. For Gonzalez, he's coming out of surgery. For Nietes, I don't know if he still has what it takes to beat a guy like Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. I mean, he barely sprayed by Casito Ioka, and some people would think that Ioka won that fight. He had a draw against Aston Palita, even though a lot of people thought Roman Gonzalez should have won that fight. I mean, not Roman Gonzalez, Donnie Nietes should have won that fight against Aston Palita. But it still stands to reason that Nietes is not the fighter that he was five, six years ago. And he's still like quality super flyweight. It's just that we're not, this is not the type of fighter that we, that he was in his prime. But I actually had some people tell me, like, ask me, is the super fight or career defining fight that Nietzsche is referring to the, uh, a particular fight against Cali Fight, the WBA super flyweight champion, which I kind of thought was really interesting uh, that people, that was their first thought about what Nietzsche was referring to for his next fight. But that not that fight's not happening next because Yafaya was ordered to fight Norberto Jimenez, uh, who is the mandatory challenger to the WA Super Flyweight title, and a purse bit was already uh set for the next few weeks if the two sides are not able to come to terms to an agreement. So of course if Calify were to fight Donnie Nieta, that would be on the zone because Galio fights with match from boxing. And I'm sure Eddie Hart would love to sign Donnie Nieta, even if it is for a short-term deal. But if you really want the, the, the super, the real big fight, Gonzalez versus Nieta, that's the fight that makes sense. Chocolatito is the biggest name in the, in the lower weight class for the last 10 years. And that's a name that a lot of people still remember and still get excited when it comes to seeing him fight, even after the two losses to uh, Shisaka Sorumbesai in 2017, uh, 2016. No, actually, no, it is. Both fights were in 2017. Uh, I don't know why I get confused for a second, but yeah, both were in 2017. I, I don't know if that fight's going to happen. Again, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in play. One is Gonzalez rehabilitation, which appears to be going well. How soon he's willing to go to the ring? Would he be willing to fight Donnie Nietes instead of waiting for Cal Yafai? A lot of factors in play. Uh, it's looking like Donnie Nietes could potentially retire at the end of the year. Uh, Francisco Vaikar said to WBO president, put a really cryptic tweet right before the announcement of Nietes vacating his title. It was saying that we're going to honor Don, the career of Donnie Nietes at the WBO convention later this year. And a lot of people thought, wait, why, why would you why would you say that he's your champion? He's not retired. Or is he retiring? And obviously, it turns out that he's not retiring yet, but instead vacating his WBO title, which is an indication that the that the fight uh, that, that his career is coming to a close. It's similar to to James DeGale. His career, he vacated his IBF super middleweight title 
last year as he wants the big money career-defining fight. And he sort of got that against Chris Eubank Jr. a couple of weeks back. Eubank beat James McGale. The fight showed that he is a that he's definitely a shell of his past self. And and James McGale retired uh, very recently. So I think Nietas is uh, under that very same impression, very same impression. So, so listen, first of all, I want to wish James Segal a, a happy retirement. And hopefully Donnie Nietas gets the, the fight that he, that he wants. Uh, Andrew Huntley in the chat say, or the Estrada versus Rumbasai 2 winner if the Chocolatito fight isn't out there. That's another good fight. That's a really good fight. And I do agree. Whoever wins that fight is going to, whoever wins, uh, Sorum Visay versus Estrada too. That would be, I think that would qualify as a career defining fight. If now my one thing would be, and I have not, I don't know if there's a rematch clause or anything in the contract for this rematch, but if Estrada were to win, I don't know if there, if there, if a, if Sorum Visay would rather pick a trilogy fight against Estrada, especially if the rematch ends up being a barn burner like it was the first time around, which by the way, the announcement of Sorum Vestai versus Estrada 2, April 26th at the Forum in Los Angeles. On the undercard, you got TJ Dahani against Daniel Roman for the Unified IBF WBA Super Bantamweight titles. I think that's an excellent card. I think that's an amazing card. Could potentially make a run for best boxing card of the year. We're only a few months into 2019 already, but yeah, I think Sorum Vestai versus Estrada, the winner of that fight against Donnie Nietas, Andrew Huntley, you make a really good point. I think that that does qualify as career-defining. So Renfisai, by pretty much everyone in the boxing community, believes that So Renfisai is the best super flyweight in the world. And I think to a global audience, especially in the U.S. market, where a lot of people, a lot of boxing fans, hardcore, and to an extent, some of the casual audience, they will th- they think So Renfisai is a great fighter. He's a top 10... Pound for pound fighter, he's the best super flyweight in the world. When he against the right opponent, his fights are absolutely incredible. So I think Donnie Nietas would be open, would love to have that fight happening. If the Chocolatito fight doesn't happen, I'd be, I'd be, I would love that fight if that were to happen. And Andrew Huntley in the chat makes a really good point, and I agree. I, I hope that fight does happen if Nietas versus Chocolatito does not happen next. Now, the kind of moving on to this weekend's uh, fights. We have a lot of fights here uh, this weekend. The first one being the uh, WBC uh, welterweight fight between Sean Porter and Jordanis Ugas. And I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Ugas on this one. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think Ugas stands a much better chance at beating Sean Porter than I think a lot of people give uh, give him credit. Let's face it, I I think, and as I mentioned in in the newsletter, Jordanis Ugas is taller. He hits harder than what a lot of people seem to give him credit for when they look at that knockout percentage at at first glance. And overall, he's coming in with this fight on an eight-fight win streak, all at welterweight, coming in with a lot of momentum. I think professional athletes can tell you uh, from first-hand experience, uh, momentum is a very, very dangerous weapon for an opponent to have. 
because they can because they can compete at an elevated level than their nor than they normally would if say they were coming off a loss or coming off an uninspired performance or just have not been on the hot streak that your Dennis Ugas is uh, currently is. So I, I, I think that fight is really good. Uh, you can go to the Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. I've interviewed Sean Porter, extensive 15-minute interview. We spoke about the fight. We spoke about who he wants to face down the line, whether it be Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence Jr., fighting on a on a pay-per-view main event someday, even his broadcasting career. We even discussed a little bit of that, so you can head on over to the Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel for that interview if you don't have time to to watch it or you want to or you rather read about that that interview we've done several articles on fightful.com with with sean porter about that interview and covering again all those different topics that we discuss with more to come actually after the fight against Jordani suga so I think overall, I think that fight is, I think that fight's really good. I'm going to make my prediction right here now. I say that Porter's going to win a very close decision. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a, a good fight. With, again, Uga's one of those guys when he's the one moving forward and the opponent is not, is willing to trade blows with your Dennis Uga, I, he makes great fights. And I think this, as Sean Porter told me in the interview, that styles make fights, and I think the styles that both men have could potentially lead to a really, really good fight. And kind of looking here at the boxing card, uh, the entire card, uh, televised and untelevised on, on box rec, you got Sean Porter versus Danny Sugas, Francisco Santana versus Abel Ramos, Damian Vasquez against Juan Carlos Payano. Not bad fight, but you got the some interesting names right there. You got F.A. Ajakba. Against Amir Mansoor, the 46-year-old who has fought several big names uh, a few uh, in, in recent years, but he spent nearly a decade in prison throughout the 2000s. He's back. He has a really respectable record, 23-3-1, and it'd be a really good fight between F.A. Ajakba versus Amir Mansoor. Uh, interesting enough, you got on the undercard Robert Guerrero versus Hevinson Herrera. Robert Guerrero is, you know, he just came out of retirement a couple of months ago. He fought on the untelevised portion of the Wilder versus Fury uh, undercard in Los Angeles. He he got the victory. He's I I don't know what the end game for Robert Guerrero is. I I guess he just wants to keep fighting. I don't know if he. I, I don't see him getting another title opportunity at this this stage of his career and the fact that a lot of people aren't going that aren't really lining up to see Robert Guerrero after the uninspired performance against Omar Figueroa. So, and you also got on the other card, Jesus Cuellar, uh, Amantes Daniona. So lots of good stuff right there. You got on the other side, the matchroom boxing card, Dimitri Bivol versus Joe Smith Jr. A really, really good fight. In my opinion, Maurice Hooker versus, uh, Michael Lepierre for the WBO Junior Welterweight title. You got Callum Johnson versus Johnny Monaghan, Sergey Kuzmin versus uh, Joy Dodgeco, Israel Madrimov against Frank Rojas, lots, uh, Junior Yonan. Again, fantastic stuff right there that you got in boxing on that card. 
Uh, I, I do agree that I think both cards are really strong from top to bottom. It's a shame that not that some of these fights are not actually being televised. Although the, the zone card will probably showcase a lot, if not most of those car, uh, most of those fights. So hopefully, I think that I, I if you want my prediction on the matchroom card, I say Joe uh, Dimitri Bivol beats Joe Smith Jr. I don't really see. Um, Joe Smith Jr. really making much of a uh, an impression on let's um Dimitri Bivol. It, Bivol has looked really strong in his WBA light heavyweight title run uh, since 2017. He he, he dominated John Pascal. He dominated Isaac Chil uh, Isaac Chilembe. Uh, Isaac Chilemba. My mistake. I apologize. He dominated Sullivan Barrera. But he hasn't had like the big fight that a lot of us were expecting him to have at this point. A lot of people wanted to see Bivol versus Kovalev, but Kovalev had to lose the WBA light heavyweight title to uh, uh, back in August. So uh, to Elidor Alvarez, so that fight was not able to happen. Kovalev signed with ESPN, and then you had Dimitri Bivol signed with the Zone. So well, I, Bivol look, has looked great. I don't. He's not getting like the big super fights anytime soon. But Joe Smith Jr. is not really the strongest competitor out there for, for to challenge for Dimitri Bivol. So I'm gonna say Bivol wins late stoppage. On the co-main event, Maurice Hooker versus Michael Lepierre. Um, really good. It's a really good run by Maurice Hooker so far as a world champion. I don't think anyone expected him to beat Terry Flanagan to win the WBO title. Uh, so a lot of people didn't expect him to not just beat Alex Salcedo last year, but stop Alex Salcedo. He's looking really good. And he has incre- an incredible size advantage over Michael Lesbier, which, let's be honest, his career is not that is not that great in terms of facing big names and, get, and getting a lot of notable wins. Like, if you look at his... Michael Lepierre's resume, his last five fights, three of them were up against guys who have had 15 pro bouts and below. And one of them was making his pro debut. And you know, like, and there's nothing about Michael Lepierre from a from a size perspective, from a recipe, is this a resume standpoint, from a skill standpoint that would really lead one to believe that Maurice Hooker is gonna lose. I don't think it's going to be a competitive fight at all. I think Hooker's going to knock Michael Lepier out. I don't think it's going to be like a really quick knockout as Maurice Hooker told me in an, in an interview I did with him, which you can check out on the Fightful MMA Unboxing YouTube channel. I think it's going to, I say Michael, I think Maurice Hooker is going to knock out Michael Lepier, not in the first three rounds or four rounds. I say seventh round. I think seventh round is going to be when Maurice Hooker uh, takes Lepier out. So lots of good stuff on that matchroom boxing card, but that's not the only matchroom boxing card taking place this weekend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, matchroom boxing kind of opened up a an Italy division, and they are putting some of the they're putting the matchroom boxing Italy on the zone because they are because they're expanding the the boxing reach in in Italy. So tomorrow on at 3 p.m. Eastern there's going to be a matchroom boxing Italy card that's going to be on the zone. 
three fights, very interesting fights uh, on that card that are taking place. All title fights. None of them are world title fights, but the regional title bouts. Uh, BCL Trovato versus Erika Cruz Hernandez for the WBC Silver Female Featherweight title. Two really, really good fighters at featherweight coming in with a, of a lot of momentum. Erika Cruz Hernandez with a lot, a little more momentum than Trovato. Uh, Cruz, Erika Cruz Hernandez, nine and one, is has looked really, really good as of late. And I, I would, I would say that. Erika Cruz Hernandez. Am I if, you're, if I were to make a pick, I say Hernandez wins by by decision, by a, a fairly wide unanimous decision. You got Daniel Gardina versus Henry Kekalainen, uh, Kekalainen. And again, I apologize if I mispronounce the name. I do apologize uh, tremendously for the IBF International Super Middleweight Title. Gardina. Not much of a well-known name uh, in the West, but I think he is a solid name. He's someone to watch out for. And he is he's 15-0. He's slowly starting to make waves at Super Midway over there in Europe. I'm not saying that he's going to be like a world title contender right now or, or will be by the end of this year or even in 2020. But I think well, I think Scardina is going to make way is going to make some waves at the European level. So I think Scardino wins this one. I'd say late stoppage over Kekalainen. And then you also got Maxine Prodan versus Steve Hamoye. Uh, this fight has the potential to be a, the best fight of the night. Might be the best fight of this weekend uh, for the IBF International Welterweight title. These are, the, the welterweight division just keeps getting uh, guys coming out of nowhere and just Keep making waves in the division. This is a very loaded division. Uh, Maxine Prodan versus Steve Hamoye. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, really fun fight. Prodan, uh, knockout artist. He's uh, uh, he's Romania. He's weird. If you look at his box wreck, it's kind of like a cornucopia of like different nationalities. His nationality is Romanian, he, but he was born in Ukraine and he lives in Italy right now. So his it is uh, it's a mixture of, of different nations uh, that Prodan is representing, but he's he's out of his out of his fifteen wins, fourteen of them have come by knockout. So he is a, a really good knockout artist. He's, he's also not a guy that will waste a lot of time inside the ring. He is a very aggressive fighter. He knows how to take guys out. He hasn't had like a reputable name under his belt yet. But, and, and I'm not saying Steve Hamoye is necessarily a big name. I don't think so. But it, it's, a, it's a decent enough name. And he's fought some, some, some decent, again, some decent names at the European level. Uh, you got uh, guys like uh, Bryce Basole uh, a couple of fights ago. He's, the, he's fought against Florin Cardos. Uh, but but he hasn't looked well in those types of fights. He's only one one in one two and one in his last four fights, and he is coming into this fight. I would wager as the underdog, and I think this is the type of fight where Prodan could make a big statement and take out Steve Hamoye fairly early in the fight. If you were to ask me, I'd say Maxim Prodan wins 
by fifth round knockout in a very, very exciting fight. I think it's going to, I think this is going to be a really fun fight. So that about wraps it up for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Head on over to FightfulBoxing.com for all the latest news in boxing. Head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Putting out great content every day. Exclusives, recaps, news, features, columns, you name it. Everything from, from A to Z and beyond. All different types of content that we got over there at Fightful.com. Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Subscribe. We got plenty of uh, of great content out there. As I mentioned, interviews with Junior Yonan, Maurice Hooker, Sean Porter. All those in the last couple of weeks. And even got it, uh, got matter to ask Jordanis Ugas a couple of questions at a recent media call. So you can listen to that audio and what Ugas has had to say about his fight against Sean Porter and getting to this point where he's won eight straight and he's won and he's got the opportunity to fight for the WBC welterweight title. Lots of great stuff out there again on Fightful. Subscribe to our Fightful Pro Wrestling and Fightful MMA Boxing YouTube channels. Leave us a thumbs up on this video. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Call us to Fightfulboxing.com. We're out. <laughs>